So I'm going to tell you the story of Easter. And it's a story about Jesus. And everybody knows Jesus' birthday. You know his birthday is called Christmas? That's when Jesus was born. Jesus. <laughs> so he was born on Christmas, and then he grew up, and then God sent him to teach people how to find heaven inside. That's what one of his main missions. So he grew up, he taught, and then Easter is the day when was his last day on earth. So he, it was his death day, but not really. He didn't really die. This story has a little twist at the end. So a week before Easter happened, Jesus came to Bethlehem, I mean uh, Jerusalem. <laughs> I got distracted. There's a little baby up here. Just... <laughs> so Jesus came to Jerusalem to teach, and he was riding a donkey. You know Verani has a donkey? He was riding a donkey. And all the people, there was like crowds and crowds of people, They were laying palm fronds, like big leaves, on the ground so the donkey could walk on it. And it's kind of like today we would roll out a red carpet. I don't know if you've seen that for fancy people. They roll out a red carpet. Well, they didn't do that back then. They put palm leaves down, and they were going, Jesus, he's so great. And he came to Jerusalem, and he taught, and and it was beautiful. But there were some people that ran the church And they looked out the window, and they saw Jesus, and they saw all the people saying, Jesus is so great. We love you. We want to hear what you have to say. And the people in the tower were looking down going, everybody likes Jesus. Everybody listens to him. Nobody's going to listen to us anymore. And they thought, what should we do? And one of them thought, I know. We'll capture him, and we'll kill him. And then all the people will listen to us. And so they did that. They captured him, and they killed him, and they wrapped his body up in cloth, and they put him into a cave, and they put a rock in front of the door, and they thought, no more Jesus. And his disciples, disciples are the people who really loved him and they really listened to him. They listened to his teachings about finding heaven within. They listened to his teachings about how you should be like little children. Because one time Jesus was teaching and the children were all coming and some people said, no children, get away, children. And Jesus said, no, 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 let the children come. He said, in fact, you have to have the heart of a open heart of a child to really find heaven. So he said, let the children come. So they listened to that. They practiced that. Another thing Jesus said is, be still to find God. Be very quiet and still. So these were his disciples. They listened to him. They practiced these things. And now Jesus was dead in a cave with a rock covering it. And these disciples were really afraid. They thought, What if those people come and get us? They were kind of afraid. So they hid in their houses. And then a day or so later, Mary Magdalene, she was one of his 
closest disciples. She was a lady. She said, I've got to go see where they put him. And so before the sun came up, she put her hood up, and she went out, and she went to the place where the cave was. Remember where the rock is? And she went there, and the rock was moved. And she looked in the cave, and it was empty. Nothing was in there. She thought, oh, no, oh, no, they took his body away. And she ran back, and she found out, she found another disciple. His name was Peter. He was kind of like the big brother. And he said, Peter, they took him, they took him, he's gone. And Peter, the man, and another disciple, they ran to the cave, and they looked in, and they saw it was empty. They just saw the cloth that he was wrapped in, but it was empty. So they went back to their house, And Mary stayed there by the cave, and she was just crying and crying and crying. And then at one point, she looked in the cave again, and she saw two angels. One was by the foot of the bed, and one was by the head of the bed. The two angels were standing there. And, And the angel said, why do you weep? Why are you crying? Because she was crying a lot. And she said, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. She was really crying. And then they looked up. The angels looked up at the doorway, and Mary turned around, and she saw a man standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't know that. She thought he was a gardener or something. And she looks at him, and and the man says, who's Jesus, is, why do you weep? And she goes, Sir, if you took the body away and put it somewhere, tell me where it is and I'll I'll go get it. And then Jesus realizes that she doesn't recognize him. And he says, Mary. And she, she recognizes him. And she wants to just touch him. She wants to touch his feet and just, she's so pleased to see him. But he says, don't touch me yet because I haven't ascended to back to God. And so she stands there. She's just looking at him with so much love. And he says, go back and tell the other disciples that I'm going back to my father, to our father, God. And so she she leaves. She goes back. This time she doesn't wear her hood. She just runs back. She doesn't care if anybody recognizes her. And she goes back and she tells Peter, I found him. And Peter says, you found the body? Because he thought she just found the body. And she goes, no. He spoke to me. He told me to tell you that he's going to go back to his father, our God. And they were all amazed. And they, they all got together at night, that night. And they had the door locked and the windows closed. And they were all talking about this. Jesus, could he be alive again? And then just then, he appeared right in the middle of the room. And the first thing he said is, peace be unto you. That means, don't worry about anything. Peace be with you. And then, you know what he said then? He said, just as God sent me to teach you how to find heaven, now I want you to go out and teach the world how to find heaven within. And so they understood that. And then he he blessed them all. And then he disappeared. So we celebrate Christmas as the birth of Christ, and then we try to practice finding heaven inside ourselves, being still and having a childlike heart. And then on Easter, 
we practice, we celebrate his rebirth day because he really didn't die. He, he's reborn. So that is the story of Easter. So <clears throat> happy Easter, everyone. It's such a joy. I think I'll just share this. I just saw a little news item when Tim was saying he, uh, the cloth that he was wrapped in was still in the tomb. That, of course, is now what's known as the Shroud of Turin. And I just saw an article on the Internet that they're doing very uh, subatomic analysis of this cloth. And they're finding pollen and DNA from plants, not only from the Middle East, but from India, up in the north, Tibet, and all that. Because our master, Guruji, told us that the lost years of Jesus, he traveled to India and studied there with the master. So the Shroud of Turin is um, substantiating that. Okay, so our reading from Rays of the One Light by Swamiji, Resurrection for Every Soul. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 20, we read the inspiring account of Jesus' resurrection. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst and saith unto them, Peace be with you. The resurrection of Jesus, doubted by many, but affirmed by those who were close to him, was a miraculous event, though not one unique in history. For many great saints of other religions have appeared to their disciples after death. Sometimes their appearances have been, as that of Jesus was, in flesh and blood form, and not only in vision. Paramahansa Yogananda relates in Autobiography of a Yogi the account of his guru, Sri Teshwar's resurrection after his earthly passing. Miracles of this type are revealed only rarely to the masses, but accounts of them related by men and women of reputed truthfulness have inspired many devotees with faith in the reality of subtler than material states of existence. Resurrection, Yogananda explained, means transformation, ultimately from any lower state of being to a higher one. Worldly consciousness cannot imagine such transformation except in terms of, perhaps, an improvement of the present mess of pottage with the addition of a new flavoring. Divine consciousness, however, is capable of taking the base metal of worldliness and transforming it into the spiritual goal of divine, gold of divine wisdom and love. In keeping with this truth, 
the Bhagavad Gita in the ninth chapter tells us, Ah, ye who into this ill world are come, false and fleeting, set your faith fast on me, fix heart and thought on me, adore me, bring offerings to me, make me prostrations, make me your supremest joy, and undivided unto my rest, your spirits shall be guided. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, everyone. It's beautiful to gather together on Easter. You know, the disciples, they gathered together, and then Jesus came to them. So we've all gathered together, and let's hope Jesus comes to us. He said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. Not maybe I'll be, but I will be. So he's here in the midst of us. It's our job to feel him and to recognize that. I'm going to read this. Come to me, O Christ, as the divine shepherd of souls. This is from Whispers from Eternity. I think I'll use the glasses. I want you to close your eyes because this is one master talking about another master. And try to feel and really tune in to the qualities of Jesus as seen through the eyes and consciousness of Yoganandaji. O Christ, thou rarest flower of hearts, thou didst sail the storm-tossed lake of prejudiced minds. Its evil-scented, gloomy thought waves lashed at thy lily-tender soul. They crucified thee with their evil, Yet didst thou shed on them the aroma of goodness and forgiveness and help them to be purified by remorse to make them attractively sweet-scented with thine all-loving soul flower. O thou greatest lover of all error-torn brothers, an unseen monument of the mightiest miracle of love was established in every heart when the magic of thy voice uttered, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thou hast healed the cataract of hatred. We have now grown to see thy truth. Love thine enemies as thyself, for they are brothers, though sick and sleeping. Thou hast taught us not to increase their fervored blows of hatred with the bludgeons of revenge. Thine underlying sympathy has inspired us to heal our brothers, suffering in their delirium of anger with the soothing salve of divine forgiveness. Thy crucifixion reminds us of the daily crucifixion of our fortitude by trials, of our wisdom by ignorance, by our self-control, by the scathing touch of temptation, and of our love by misunderstanding 
Thy test on the cross proved the victory of divine wisdom over ignorance, of thy divine soul over flesh, of thy happiness over pain, and of thy love over hatred. So we are heartened to bear our crosses bravely and with faith. Teach us, when we are crucified by harshness, to pour out not only sweetness, to bear with calmness the assaults of worry, to give understanding unceasingly to those who unjustly hate us. O shepherd of souls, wandering hearts are seeking of themselves the one fold of divine devotion. We have heard the ever-calling music of thy infinite kindness. One desire is to find our home in thee, to receive the cosmic Father with the joyous open eyes of wisdom, and to know that all of us are sons of our own one God. Teach us to conquer the Satan of dividing selfishness, which prevents the gathering of all our soul brothers into the one fold of spirit, calling to one another by the watchword, Love him who loves you, and love all who love you not. Let us rally beneath the canopy of universal oneness of the Christ. Amen. Well, the story of Jesus and, of course, this last week of his earthly life is certainly one of the most dramatic of all the stories as has been used as the title of the book, of a book, The Greatest Story Ever Told. It's a marvelous, wonderful story. But if you take the Bible as a story of biography, it is the most curious biography. There's a big section pertaining to the birth of Christ and the events immediately after his birth. Then there's a very large section pertaining to when he's in his 30s and for three years until his death. But in between his birth and his death, there's basically nothing. There's one little mention of when he was 12 years old that Jesus and, I mean, uh, Mary and Joseph used to travel to Jerusalem from Nazareth for the Passover feast. And I assume, one assumes, that they traveled by caravan. And when Jesus was 12, they went back, and after a day, they looked around and there was no Jesus. And they said, well, where is he? And they thought, did we leave him in Jerusalem? And so they went back to Jerusalem, and they looked, and he was in the synagogue, teaching and everybody was amazed at his teaching and he said to them why are you surprised I need to be about my father's business now that's the single mention of him between his first year and somewhere like his 32nd year so that's a most curious biography to leave out 20 years or 18 years in the most important story of the age. But 
If you take it outwardly as biography, it's curious. But if you take it inwardly as the symbolic birth of Christ consciousness and then the dramatic, uh, I don't know, the portrayal of Christ consciousness, then it begins to make sense. So let's in imaginations, we'll skip over the birth, but let's travel back to those last three years that are covered in the Bible. So in your imagination, let's travel there. So the first we hear about Jesus is that he comes to John, John the Baptist, and he is baptized by John. And John baptizes, has been in the wilderness baptizing and is considered to be a prophet. But when Jesus comes, John doesn't want to baptize him. He says, you're the one who should baptize me. That refers back to their previous birth together, as Master explained, as Master and Disciple. But Jesus says, let it be so, for in all righteousness it should be. And so when John baptizes him, He sees a dove descending. Now the dove is a symbol of peace, but if you think of a dove with its wings out, tail spread, and its head, it's also a five-pointed white star. And that is symbolic of a soul that has passed through all the levels of outward manifestation to be reunited once again with God. So in that baptism, God is showing in symbolic form that this is a son who has been reunited with me. Then Jesus goes from there and he goes into the desert for 40 days. And during that time, he fasts. He goes deep in communion with God and he's tempted by the devil. The temptations... So the devil comes to him or Satan or that polarity of God because everything comes from God. But Satan represents that polarity that is trying to draw us into separation and to draw us into the thought that this world, not the world of God, will be where we find our happiness and our fulfillment. And Satan says to Jesus, If only you worship me, I'll give you dominion over the whole world. And Jesus answers, get thee behind me, Satan. And passing that test, he then goes and begins to draw his first disciples. And so then he draws his closest disciples and he has, begins his outer ministry. And that ministry first takes place up in Galilee. I don't know, 100, 120 miles from Jerusalem. Israel is not a very big country. It's a relatively small country. So Jesus and his disciples are going around. And now the Bible begins to tell in great detail those years of Jesus' life. And he performs miracle after miracle after miracle. So imagine... Being together, maybe you're the 13th or 14th or 30th or 40th disciple, 
and we're traveling with Jesus. And it isn't just the outer miracles. It isn't just the feeding of thousands of people from a little basket of bread and a few fishes. It isn't walking on water. It isn't calming the storms. It isn't healing the the lame and allowing the blind to see. All of that is an outer expression. But imagine being there. The love and the joy and the compassion and the greatness and the being in the presence of that divine being and you're traveling life. You have nothing, no possessions, no desires for possessions. You just want to be with the master, travel with the master, be bathed in that joy. And that goes on. And then there's a ministry. He raises the dead. He raises Lazarus from the tomb. Many, many other proofs of his divinity, his great greatness. And then we come to the last year of Jesus' life. And so we all enter into Jerusalem, as Tim was saying, with great joy and our master that we know who he is. We've seen what he can do. We've been with him on a daily basis. We've felt his spirit, his love, his joy. He comes into Jerusalem, the seat of power, of worldly power in this kingdom. And all the people are coming out and they're proclaiming him and Hosanna on the highest and they're laying down these palm fronds and we're thinking now, especially I think probably certain ones of the disciples are thinking now he's going to show his, his power, his greatness to the church officials, to the government officials. He's going to not only be a spiritual prophet, but he's going to come into his own as the leader of this worldly kingdom also. And then, two or three days later, he's taken, he's beaten, he's tried, he's rejected by the masses, and he's crucified. And during that time, we, the disciples, are being severely tested, tested in our faith, tested in our fear. Simon Peter, Jesus tells him, you'll deny me three times before the cock crows in the morning. No, no, how could that be? I'll never deny you, I've been with you. And sure enough, that happens. And so Jesus now, now this is Sunday, so on Friday, Jesus was crucified and put in the tomb. And we're filled with not only fear, yes, fear, but something I think much deeper is going on because our faith has been tested. That which we thought was going to happen, that this greatness, this spiritual wonder and powerhouse and this essentially perfect example of compassion and love and joy 
is now dead. And our faith, did he really do all those things? If he did, how in the world could he have been in two days grabbed and tried and killed and now he's dead and gone? What's going on here? And that faith is tested. Now, faith is a very peculiar thing. When we say our faith is tested or their faith is tested, Swami talked about gradations. You know, faith is the understanding of something that we can't see and experience with our senses. It starts, one could say, with total ignorance. People don't even, they're so caught up in their daily lives, they don't even think about larger questions like what happens after death? What happens? What are we as people? What is our reality? They don't even contemplate that. They're focused on tilling their field or selling their merchandise or whatever. They don't don't get there. But then we all are faced with questions about things that we don't yet know. And so if somebody tells us something, we can believe them or not believe them. But as Swami said, belief is not a very good guide. There was the belief that the world was flat. If you look at old maps, you see in the misty parts of the ocean, here be monsters. And you see the old maps with a kind of waterfall at the edge of the earth. The whole world at that time believed that the earth was flat because that's the way that it looked. And that if you went out there, you went over that waterfall and the monsters got you. So mere belief does not necessarily equate to reality. It might, it might not. But faith is at a higher level. Faith is something where, yes, there's some unknown, but you have seen demonstrated again and again and again that somebody who says something about that unknown knows about that unknown. And that's where the disciples were. Jesus talks about love, the healing love of God. And he demonstrates it. He demonstrates it by miracle after miracle after miracle. And so over a period of time, the disciples and we too are in that position. We have faith because we have these teachings from Master, the teachings. We have faith in things like the potential of merging into unity with God. We have faith in the Christ consciousness. The Christ consciousness, Master said, is that within every atom of creation is the hidden spirit. And the consciousness is that we come into the actual realization of that. Well, you and I are not yet in Christ consciousness. But because Master has talked about it, and we read dozens of other masters and we read about Jesus and we hear the teachings, 
We have faith that such a thing exists. Samadhi exists. Christ consciousness exists. But we don't yet have the experience of it. And so there's belief, which may or may not be true. Faith, which is the complete acceptance or the deep acceptance of some subtle reality that we can't yet experience, but that we know from the testimony of those who have experienced it, that it does exist. And so we're like those disciples, but when their faith gets tested, when Jesus all of a sudden can be killed and do do these things that I've put so much energy into and acceptance of and faith in, are they really real anymore? And then the level above faith is actual experience. And so you and I are seeking to move between that level of faith and experience. And that's why Easter is so important. I don't know that without Easter that Christianity would exist. Those disciples would exist, but it's a little difficult to talk just about the miracles and then all of a sudden he's taken and crucified. Seems like a regular person. Tens of thousands of people were crucified in those days. It was a common form of punishment. So if Jesus could be crucified and dead, I don't know that Christianity would have been viable. But then Jesus comes back and resurrects in bodily form. And so then the disciples have the actual experience of seeing Jesus. And Jesus is able to then show them that death is not real. So one of the great things that the whole world contemplates, people are live in fear of it, people try to avoid it, but what happens at the time of death? So these great masters, they tell us that our consciousness does not die at the time that our body ceases to exist. And we have faith in that because they seem to know what they're talking about. But now there's a step beyond that. Now Jesus comes back after death and manifests in physical form. And now the disciples can say, I saw him, I touched him, he spoke to me. Death is not real. Consciousness does not cease to exist. This isn't theory. I have seen it. I know it. And so that experience is what has the power to change consciousness and create a whole religion. Now you and I, we're struggling to move between that point of faith and experience. Not necessarily to have master or whatever form of God we worship, not necessarily to have them manifest to us in physical form. You know, the manifestation of Sri Yukteswar to master, 
I don't know about you, but when I read the autobiography, that wasn't the most important chapter to me. It wasn't like once I read that, then I knew that everything else was true. It was just one more chapter because that autobiography spoke with so much authority, so much grace and blessing that that was just another example of what he was talking about. And just as a little footnote, you know that resurrection of Sri Yukteswar, Master's description of it in the autobiography, that's what Gene Roddenberry used for the Star Trek. Beam me up, Scotty, when you see the little flickering things and, and that which is solid disappears or that which is ephemeral reappears. That's, that's a modern day depiction of the reincarnation or, I mean, the, the resurrection of Sri Yukteswar. But <clears throat> for us, that isn't really what we're after because, see, if, if we leave the story of Jesus to be a kind of a historical story with maybe some symbolism, it is interesting, but it isn't life-changing. But these, the lives of these great, great souls are not only historically true, they're also symbolically true of deeper truths. And so... Jesus, the Christ, is the Christ consciousness within us. And so, when we come back to that, it's actually quite appropriate that the Christ consciousness is born within us, and that's a big event. But the Christ consciousness, we don't really need to know what happens in that intervening 18 years. Because we go through our own difficulties, our own, really what that represents is that we just ignore the Christ consciousness for a period of time. Then we become a disciple of it. And then we travel, all of us who are traveling this path together, are traveling as well as we can with the Christ consciousness that's within us. We try to tune into that daily we try to serve it. We try to work with it. The real devotion that we give to Jesus is not to say, oh, Jesus, how wonderful you were. But Jesus, what you did, I can also experience myself. The real service to Christ is to try to be like him, to try to live with that kind of love and compassion and gift of doing whatever we can to heal, to give to the poor. All of that, the imitation of Christ, is much, much more important than the worship of Christ. <clears throat> but we too, whether we'll be tested in the same way that the disciples were tested in such a traumatic and dramatic fashion, Probably not, because as Swami said, that was of an older age, that was Kali Yuga. 
pain and suffering were the coin of man's redemption in those days. He said, now, calm acceptance and joy is the way that we commune with that. And so you and I have the challenge ahead of us through calm acceptance and joy and daily practice and service to the Christ consciousness that is within us to move from the level of faith into the level of experience. And when we do, finally, our souls will find the fulfillment that they have been seeking for ever and ever.